Amen. There we go. Well, grace, peace, and mercy be to you from God our Father and our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. Today, I would like to take the time that we have together to really look at a psalm for the day. You know, maybe traditionally when Pastor Mark or myself preach, a lot of times we'll go off the gospel lesson or maybe off the epistle, the letters that Paul writes. But today, for the subject matter of our virtue, I think the psalm really lays it out well. Uh, remember, that's the series that we're in right now, Vanishing Virtues. We're looking at a different one every single week and really trying to dig down and see, you know, is this something that is still alive in my life and in the life of our church, and how do we better yet use this today? So most of the time when you look at a psalm, you, you probably see them everywhere and you don't even realize it. Uh, if you go to Hobby Lobby, you'll see them written on uh, all different works of art, to be able to hang on your wall. A lot of times in stationery, you'll see uh, different Christian stationery will have psalms on it. And why not? They're really you know, uplifting in our lives. Uh, create in me a clean heart, O God. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not be in want. We could go on and on. But the psalm that we look at today is different. Uh, it's actually one of the shortest psalms in the Bible. It's only five verses long, but it tells us a lot about our subject matter, our vanishing virtue for today. Uh, before we get to that, I just want to look at the very first verse of this. It's Psalm 15, chapter 1, and David writes this for us, opening up with a couple of different questions that he has for us to be able to um, look at. So let's look at these questions that he says this morning. He says, Lord, who may dwell in your sacred tent? Who may live on your holy mountain? What is David talking about this morning? Uh, so let's go back even further in time in the scriptures and look at the book of Exodus. In the book of Exodus, God has these chosen people, the Israelites, in which he allows to be able to escape from slavery. And in one moment, when they're on their way to the promised land, kind of in the beginning of their journey, God tells Moses, I am going to come down and reveal part of my presence to the people. I'm going to come down on Mount Sinai. He says the people need to go and cleanse themselves for a period of about three days, and we're going to draw a boundary around the mountain. Because when God comes down, when his presence is there, he is so great, so godly, so holy, and the sin of the people is so dark that if they get too close... They will actually die just from being in his presence. Later on, as they continue to go through the wilderness, and they're going from point A to point B and kind of wandering around, God's presence is placed within this, this tabernacle, this movable tent that people go around in this wilderness, and it has these big, huge curtains over it to be able to cover up God's presence once again. So the people can't even peer inside and be able to see who God is. Because once again, if they see this, they're so sinful and God is so great, the people will die. And so David asked that question today. You know, God, who can really be in your presence, within your mount, within your tent? How can we do this? And this gets to our vanishing virtue for today. It's a group of people who are holy, a group of people who are godly, and when it gets down to it, a group of people who are filled with integrity. Integrity. How would you describe that to somebody? If somebody had to have a definition of what integrity looks like, or an example, what would you share with them? Would you use those words of being honest, of being pure, 
of being trustworthy. Maybe our, our topic, our virtue for last week, the subject of loyalty. I really like how uh, C.S. Lewis describes what integrity is for us. He says, integrity is doing the right thing even when no one is watching. How true is, is that? It's easy for us to be able to do the right thing when eyes are all upon us or when we receive something out of it. But what about when no one is around, when it's just you? Not you and your kids, not you and your spouse, not you and your friends, just you. That's when integrity comes into play. And even when we think it is only us, God's presence is always there with us. God is always around us. And today, as David moves on through our psalm now, in the four final verses, he mentions elements of integrity. So today I want to share these four verses with you and just share four short stories that go along to kind of help us as Christians look at the subject matter and say, what does integrity look like in my life today, and how do I strengthen this gift? All right, ready? Verse 1. Uh, David writes these words. Remember, a person of integrity is the one whose walk is blameless, who does what is righteous, who speaks the truth from their heart. Story number one. There's a group of uh, politicians that are traveling from one place to another uh, in a bus together. Uh, They're on these back country roads and they get a flat tire, and unfortunately, the bus flips over multiple times off of the road. He goes into this farmer's field, and from a distance, he sees all this dust kicked up, and he goes out there to see what is happening. He finds this horrible accident, uh, all these politicians there who have uh, been hurt, and he goes ahead with the concept of, you know, I need to to do something. And so he starts burying all of their bodies on his property and setting up different gravestones for them. A couple days later, uh, the sheriff is coming by, and he sees this wreckage on the side of the road, and he goes to the farmer's house, and he says, you you know, what, what happened here? And he tells him the story about this horrific accident that happened, and the sheriff says, you didn't, you didn't call me? You didn't call me to come and, and check out the accident and make sure everything was, was okay? And he said, did, did you call the, the town's coroner to make sure that he came and to see if any of the people were actually still alive? And the farmer said, well, you know, I, I thought about those things. And, you know, those politicians, a couple of them told me that they were still alive, but you know how they lie. <laughs> you know, lying, I think, has become something we almost just assume is going to happen now. When we listen to subject matter on our TV, especially around the subject of politics, I think some of us just believe, and probably rightly so, uh, I'm probably going to get lied to today. I think there is times when uh, we listen to other things, not even just, just politics. I think about the financial realm over the past couple of weeks and the ups and downs I've seen and the lies people have told or the ways people have tried to cheat one another or hold back from one another and the lies that have just been in that realm. And I think about this verse for today. Again, review it with me. The one whose walk is blameless, who does what is righteous, who speaks the truth from their hearts. This is what we are called to do as a people of integrity. And I'll be the first to admit that this doesn't always happen in the church. I could point at politics. I could point at financial realms. I could point at any other uh, institution in the world. But guess what? We could also point at the church. 
because there have been there have been church leaders, especially over the past couple of years, that have, that have failed horribly. And it's a bad example to our world of what the subject of integrity really means. But guess what? We have, we have done it too. All of us here today. God calls us to be blameless. He calls us to be active in what we're doing. Many times we talk about the Ten Commandments being the things that we're not supposed to do, but within those tablets are also the things we are supposed to do. Think of those active words that are in that text for today. Talking about the one who's walk, somebody who's walking, who is doing who does the things that are righteous, who speaks, who says the things that are truthful and come from their heart. This is what God is asking for us as people who are his children showcasing integrity in the world. How are you doing with that? How are we doing as Christians with the subject of integrity? Second verse from Psalm chapter 15, verse 3 whose tongue utters no slander. Remember, this is the person of integrity. The person of integrity is one whose tongue utters no slander, who does no wrong to a neighbor, and casts no slur onto others. Does no wrong to their neighbor. There's a man named Cleveland Stroud. Uh, He coaches a basketball team called the Blue Collar Bulldogs, and he's done so for, for many, many years. Uh, In fact, it took him 18 years to coach this basketball team until he finally made it to the final playoff game. All he had to do was win this game, and their team would be the CIF champions. They went to the game, and hands down, they win. They beat the other team. They blow them out of the water. It's been so long. The school is so excited. They lift Cleveland up on uh, their shoulders. They carry him around their arena, and they're celebrating. They take the trophy back. They put it in their trophy case at the school, and everybody is so, so happy about the win that they have just had. A couple weeks later, Cleveland, as not only a coach but as a teacher, realizes that one of his players who played in the game just a few weeks before was actually academically ineligible to be able to play. They didn't really deserve that trophy. The worst thing was the player that had played in that game only played for 45 seconds. He could have just not told anybody about it. Nobody probably would have ever found out, but he went to the CIF committee. He told them what had happened. He forfeited that beautiful trophy, and they gave it away. When the school and all the players were lamenting about what had happened, he simply told them, you know, people will forget the basketball scores in the games that we play, but in our lives, they will always remember our characteristics and our integrity. And people will. They will always remember our integrity or our lack thereof. Are we constantly speaking the truth in every realm that we find ourselves? Is that what we're using our tongue for? Hear that verse again. People of integrity is one whose tongue utters no slander, who does no wrong to a neighbor, and who casts no slur on others. This is what we are called to do, again, as Christians, as people who are integrity, have integrity in our lives. We don't break people down around us, even if we say, that's the truth. This person did this. This person did that. I'm just telling the truth. We don't gossip about people who are around us. We lift them up. We make sure that people around us, stranger or best friend, are always put in the best light because that's what a group of people of integrity do. And when the world sees that, remember, that is the example that they see 
of Jesus. Next verse, verse 3. People of integrity are a people who uh, despises a uh, who despises a vile person, but honors those who fear the Lord, who keeps an oath even when it hurts, and does not change their mind. Never changes their mind. Story number three. Uh, there's a businessman who becomes dreadfully ill. Goes to the hospital. He's on life support. Nobody thinks he's going to make it. The family decides they're going to call their uh, pastor. This businessman doesn't normally go to church, usually on, just mainly on Christmas and Easter. His family is a regular attender, but they say, Pastor, will you please, please just come. Pray with, with our husband. Pray with our, our father. The pastor comes down, and he prays with this uh, wealthy businessman. And the businessman says to the pastor, he tells him, uh, you know what, uh, I know there's probably a little chance of my recovery, but if this healing prayer works... I will give half of what I have to the church as soon as I leave this hospital. A couple weeks go by, and he, he starts getting better all of a sudden. He has this miraculous recovery, and wouldn't you know it, after a few more weeks, he's able to, to leave the hospital. He's doing fantastic. A few months go by, and the pastor goes out to eat one night, and he runs into this, this businessman. And he tells him, he says, you know, I see, I see you're doing great. I heard you were out of the hospital. And he said, yep, yeah. Thanks for, thanks for coming by. He said, you know, you said that you were going to donate half of what you owned to our congregation as soon as you left the hospital. And that was a, that was a few months ago, and I have yet to, to see anything show up. He said, did I say that half of what I own? He said, oh, pastor, that shows you how sick I really was. <laughs> Are we a group of people that keep our oath, or do we change our mind? One of integrity is one who despises a vile person but honors those who fear the Lord, who keeps an oath even when it hurts and does not change their mind. Have you ever made a promise to somebody and then later on found out that it was just tough for you to follow through on? Maybe it was just inconvenience. You just didn't want to do it. Maybe it's something small. We've got to follow through on our oaths. Just, just having good intentions is a good start, but good intentions don't have follow through. And even the best of us do this all the time, and we don't even do it on purpose, unfortunately. You know what the biggest lies is that we probably tell each other in here? I'm going to pray for you. I'm going to pray, I'm going to pray for that. Somebody walks out of here today, they're going to tell you something that they're struggling with. I'm going, to, I'm going to pray for you for that. Somebody, you're on the phone with them, oh, I'm going to pray for you for that. But do we do, we do that? Do we make sure we do that? If you tell somebody you're going to pray for them after church today, just go out in your car and just do it right then and there. Don't miss that opportunity. If you're on the phone with them, as soon as you get off the phone, just say a prayer for them right then and there. If there's somebody on your heart right now that you thought about in the past couple of weeks, I should have prayed, take a moment now, even during the time that we have together, and say a prayer just to our Lord. Lift that person up. It's great for us to be able to do that. Do we keep our oaths as Christians? Do we always focus on what is right as a group of people who have integrity? That's what the Lord is calling us to. Remember, in all of these things, it is an example to the outside world, to people who are not Christians, of who Jesus is. All right, verse number four. People of integrity are people who lend money not to the poor without interest, uh, who does not accept a bribe against the innocent. Whoever does these things will never be shaken. 
Now, just a quick little uh, caveat there. This is not saying that uh, lending money is a sinful act and to receive interest back. It is not saying that if you have uh, a, a tenant, to be able to collect rent from them is some type of a sin. Uh, on the other hand, if we're doing those things in a predatory manner, taking advantage of people around us, there's companies that do that, there's individuals that do that, that is sinful in nature for sure. It's pointing us to the fact that in everything that we do, we should, again, always be caring for our neighbor, not taking our own self-interest in mind, but caring for a neighbor. So story number four. This is a picture of a man named Elliot Ness. Elliot Ness worked for our government in uh, 19... 29, uh, as a 28-year-old individual, he made $2,800 a year was his salary. Elliot Ness is most known for being the individual who went up against Al Capone to be able to take down his multi-million dollar uh, corrupt industry that he had set up. He was doing such a good job of going after Al Capone that on one day, Al Capone sent a messenger to the office of Elliot Ness with an envelope. He gave him an envelope that was filled with $2,000 and told him, if you would just lay off a little bit from going after Al Capone, then we will give you this $2,000 sum every single week. Remember, he's making $2,800 a year, $2,800 a year in 1929. $2,000 a week is what we're going to give to you. He slid the bribe back across the table, did not accept it. He held a press conference the next day and shared the story with everyone. And then the following day, the headline came up, Elliot Ness and his men are untouchable. And maybe you've seen that movie with Kevin Costner, The Untouchables. He wouldn't take this bribe. This is the verse we're told again today in our text. A uh, person of integrity is one who lends money to the poor without interest, who does not accept a bribe against the innocent. Whoever does these things will never be shaken. Think about who we are as Christians. And because of our unfortunate failures, there are times when people look into our realm of the church and they think that's a group of people who are hypocrites. That's a group of people who are judgmental. But I truly do pray, and I mean that, that when people look in, they will see a group of people with integrity. Because when we share that integrity is when we share who Jesus really is. I mean, imagine what God can do with a group of people that are filled with integrity, with a group of people that do all of those things that we say that we should do, that we're actually following through on our actions. Not just good intentions, but that integrity is beaming across the entire world. And you may say, well, that's, that's just a pipe dream. I mean, think about those people of Israel that were separated from God because of their sin. They had to draw this line. They couldn't even get close to his presence. They were going to die. Even when they take his presence around in this tent, it has to be covered in these curtains. They can't even peer and even see for a moment who God truly is. How can we as a people do that today? We, too, are, are a group of people who are sinful. We're not perfect in the realm of integrity. And I would say you're right, but I would also tell you that this is why Jesus comes for us. This is why Jesus comes for you, to be that perfect person of integrity. Jesus doesn't take the bribe 
when Satan comes to be able to tempt him in the wilderness, to be able to give him everything, if he would just bow down or if he would just sin for a minute. Jesus always speaks the truth and love to everyone who is around him in every single way. Jesus always faithfully prays for people, just as he says he's going to do. He's always faithful in his mission to God of being able to share that gospel, of being able to hold up in that person in that realm of integrity, of being the son of God for each and every one of us. Jesus makes that oath that he's even going to give his life on the the cross, if that's what it takes to be able to save you and me, and he holds up to it. He doesn't take any of those bribes. He becomes one that that is perfect so that we can be perfect. He goes to the death on the cross, and in that moment, that curtain in the temple splits. That border that had been set up, that barrier separating you and I from God, no longer exists. Because of Jesus and the integrity that he has and the love that God has, we become a people who are untouchable by sin. And so today, take that integrity and know what it means. That when David asked that that very first couple of questions, Lord, who may dwell in your sacred tent? Who may live on your holy mountain? That's the final story that we have to be able to share with you today. Because of what Jesus does on the cross, because of his resurrection, that person is you. Let's pray. Dear Lord, Heavenly Father, we thank you for the gift of integrity that you shower down upon us. Uh, Lord, we know that we fail. We know that we sin. Uh, We know that we are not perfect. But Lord, we ask that you'll continue by your Holy Spirit to be able to strengthen us that we may be better examples of what it really means to live a life of perfection for you. Lord, uh, even in those times where we slip, we ask that you will just allow us to use those stories uh, to be real unto others who are around us. Uh, Lord, use our short story to be just a small piece of the gospel. Maybe it's comedic, maybe it's not. Maybe it's tearful, maybe it's not. That when people look at us, they may be able to see you and understand what you have truly provided in the person and the work of your Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. In his name we pray. Amen.